I just Googled and Milam Easter boots resale. <laughs> and I was like, please, God, give me something that's a size five and a half corset boot. And please let it be affordable. Hey, it's Viv. And it's Holly. And this is our show, Unknown Garments. A podcast about fashion, its breakout stars, culture, and the space they occupy in the ever-evolving world. In each episode, we'll focus on an up-and-coming designer or brand, and then we'll explore themes, creative processes, and backgrounds. Then later, we tie into a current trend, social issue, or whatever really applies. I'm really not an expert in the world of fashion, and I'm not always updated on all the news, but I enjoy researching and, well, I enjoy the fits. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm an artist, and I'm really interested in fashion design. I'd love to start a brand, but really, I just love fashion as a whole, so. (laughs) Well, that's us. So stick around as we dive in and try to learn more about the fashion world. Alrighty, so diving in, I decided for our first up-and-coming designer we should focus upon, we should discuss Nocesso. So the name Nocesso is Italian, and in Italian it means no gender or no sex. And the brand is acclaimed because of its tasteful colors, like patterns, and mixed media usage in the clothing. And then also it's part of the growing trend of gender non-conforming clothing taking up space in the fashion world. They're really well known for their use of embroidery and like bright patterns and glitter and just really being out there. I don't know. I think like the cool LA art kids. (laughs) Yeah, actually, which is funny because they are from LA. I don't know. Uh, So it was started in 2015 by Pierre David and the co-director and designer Aaron Hayes. And they've really come to light in the last two years or so because Pierre David was the first black and openly trans woman to have a showcase on the New York fashion week runway um that's kind of mind-boggling honestly like you'd think by now that there'd already be someone like that yeah i just especially in this episode because i did a lot of research on like uh historical black designers and historical queer designers i thought i don't know i just didn't expect like 2018 or 2019 to be the first year that an openly trans woman was on the new york fashion week one runway with a show but i think it's also pretty powerful that the first person who was was also black i think that's that's pretty cool yeah the brand originally was founded in LA and David always talks because she believes that you can feel that really in their creations and she also really loves LA because it I think it's a little bit less competitive than it is in New York you know like no, I think yeah. it's more collaborative I don't think LA has like a huge like designer scene really I mean there are like a lot of different brands but I think it's it, it's not like New York because New York has like the fashion week that people yeah. go to you know yeah it's like one of the big for it might also be the difference too in that new york is i don't know just like the city structure i'm imagining you know like everyone's in their little permit and all these spaces and it's super congested and not like la isn't as heavily populated because it is no but like it doesn't leave space for like like culture i guess like people are driving in la you know yeah you can walk down the street and see like anybody you ride public transportation in new york you know and you can like meet you just see the other world you Mm -hmm. know that you're not a part of which is really cool um (laughs) actually a really cool thing that i read in an interview is that often her runway music is curated from artists that she was listening to while she made the clothing um (laughs) 
That's which is cool. kind of sick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of designers will just like hire like someone to do the sound design for the show. And it's like, that's really cool. But also like it feels so it's, like almost too curated. It's like almost overdone at times, you know? Yeah. Or it just feels like I think not it's authentic, you know? There's partially like a strength to that. Like you have this whole show and someone didn't make music that just happened to align with it. Like they're creating all of this music specifically to elevate what you've made. Yeah. Um, but then also in this case, you can feel the inspiration in it. Like I, I, I appreciate both, but it just feels like it has more heart. Yeah, I get you. Is there any like history to like the West Coast being more colorful? Is it like do you know anything more about that or mm, popular now that like I mean not like really popular now. It just like really depends on the designer. Mm. Um but I do see the West Coast being more like there are certain vibes with West Coast that's different from East Coast, of course, but, but when it comes to design, it's um I don't know, just something about it is different. Yeah. Mm. We should have mentioned it at the very beginning, but we both live in Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The middle of the United States, essentially. It kind of is in the middle of everything. Like, it's kind of the halfway point. Yeah. And Omaha is very interesting because we're in kind of like the one blue dot of an entire red state. Which, okay, well, I mean, I think it's... I think it's an important factor because in Omaha, like, people are very interested in thrifting and, like, creating their own designs, like, fashioning their own clothes, like, all this stuff. Not to say that that doesn't happen in western Nebraska. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, here you might... Yeah, people are, like, more individual because it's just, it's a city. And yeah. And people get to see each other, you know? Or is if you live in, like, a more rural place, you're going to... I think it's more natural to just conform to, like, whatever, you know, yeah, is I- around you, so exactly yeah this further west you go in nebraska the more cowboy boots you'll see and things like that mm-hmm. it just it just becomes more uniform and so i don't know i think that's an important factor and like how we view the work like i think the setting and where someone is from is really an integral part to understanding their design because while omaha's a blue dot um and there is a little bit more room for expression since we're in a city. I think at times it's still difficult because there is still a push for that uniformity. And if you fit outside of the norm, that can leave room for criticism. We're still getting more progressive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. They use a lot of, like I said, the vibrant textures, pattern, embroidery is a huge factor. And while they might have people who make the show and like all the clothes, David tends to embroider herself, it seems, which is really cool. Do you know if it's like because what they what they might have studied, did they go to design school? She went to a university and she was studying fashion design and she, I'm pretty sure, was like heavily interested in like leather and like multimedia textiles and all of these things. But in an interview, she was like, I wasn't really there for like the class growth. It was more like she wanted to have access to the materials and oh, like yeah. producing things, especially with those machines. Mm-hmm. So I'm very sure that fostered an interest in embroidery. But she also talked about it in an interview how embroidery is like really important to her as like a meditation technique and like the brand hosts events to like teach embroidery like they teach like some really basic stitches so everyone kind of knows how it works and Mm. they'll spend a few hours just zoning out listening to music or having conversations 
And she talked about how, like, it's really important to understand the creative process doesn't have to be stressful. Like, can be, like, a relaxing time to just enjoy the process. Yeah. And enjoy what you're creating. You know, I think a lot of, myself included, like, a lot of people put pressure on their artwork especially with the growth of social media, how it's viewed, like what you want people to think, you know, making sure you have the whole thing there. But I think we kind of sometimes get lost and lose the enjoyment of just being like, you know what? I, yeah. It's like, that looks pretty or yeah. <laughs> that feels good, you know? You, you have to look at yourself as like an individual because then you get caught up because you're seeing so many people that like are so far ahead of you and like brands that are so curated that it's like that. You, you just have to take a step back and like realize that you are a human being and other people are human beings and they mm-hmm. See these things, and it's okay to like just share what you have if you really love it. You know? mm-hmm. Often, the branding no so is put on the clothing, but usually, David tries to curate it to whatever the collection is inspired by. And while I say collection, David likes to refer to them as chapters because each section is inspired from her life and whatever she was feeling at that time period. Kind of like how you create a playlist like in the winter because you feel like bummed out by the gray skies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that's a really beautiful thing like she created this entire show i think it was one of the more recent ones that was focused upon trees and nature and so there were like a lot of natural patterns in there i mean they're obvious like depictions of flowers and like leaves and trees like that but it was interesting because she also used like the sequins and materials to replicate that i don't know that's interesting i don't know if, if you saw the like there's like this collection that m- might have been inspired by like uh like sex work I think. oh there's like this video we're looking at the instagram right now mm. i think i know what you're talking about though i read something about how i think it was one of the very first collections that was shown on the fashion week runway was business women like and it was supposed to be like powerful okay people like and it was like a lot of power suits and stuff like That's that sick. yeah i don't know it's like 80s 90s powerful you know uh shoulder pads thank you suits yeah it is interesting because if i see shoulder pads at like a thrift store it's kind of like ah and then i grab seam rippers and i take them out <laughs> yeah but then also if they're thoughtfully done they really are a power move <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i mean like balenciaga is like really demna has really like implemented that until like a lot of the designs for balenciaga really? the big like pointed shoulders oh like yeah yeah What year is that from? This is from like 2016, 2017. Like, I scrolled all the way back. Yeah. I mean, just flipping through their Instagram, you immediately. It follows the you more get common. The vibes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but if you like don't view it right away, it's like patchware work and like a mixture of that combined with embroidery and bright colors. And it's just these like really beautiful models. Okay. So there's this. this tie dress it's like a bunch of t- ties like uh just like seems like they're like, sewn together in a row just body. to create yeah. yeah it's like stripped like draped down the body and like all stitched together and like kind of held together it's like um, yarn sort of corset lace sort of yeah it's so sick There's so many different patterns and it just looks also what i love is that a lot of the, all like the behind the scenes pictures seem like the model just happened to be walking past the photographer and they're like hey you want to yeah. stand there and take a picture and they're like want to flick <laughs> and they said okay <laughs> The makeup and like hair is very important. Love that. You can feel um, just the truth and heart in their pieces. You know, you can really feel like what they're going for and how important it is to them to give like a platform to diversity and like the genderqueer community. Yeah. David talks about that a lot in interviews too about um, 
giving like a platform in the fashion world to like queer POCs, not just as designers, but as attendees, like being able to see, like have the visibility of witnessing like fashion shows like this, and then also being able to purchase it. Telfar and like how some of his clothes are like, I don't know, Telfar, uh, another uh, New York designer who's black and gay and just like, you know, started a business and has just tried to get their foot in the door and, you know, I guess let everybody that they, you know, hang out with and uh, are a part of their lives just like be a part of that because fashion is just so, if for a long time it's just been really white and making it accessible There's is like huge, is, is really important. And so, like, Telfar with the, the, the bags, the fellow leather bags, I think, is trying that? to. How is that important? Because they're trying to make their clothes accessible. Why are the bags? Because they're affordable. How much are they? They're like 200. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know no, that. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I see any like high fashion symbol and I think it's really like kind of impossible to attain no. on like a minimum wage budget. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just because we are like younger. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah that's I mean, we could really save up and like actually buy that shit, but I don't know. It's just not as easy. Yeah, and visibility is like a huge factor. Going off of that and just the discussion and process of breaking down all these walls in the fashion industry, I think it's really valuable and empowering to see the first openly trans woman to have a show on New York Fashion Week that is a black designer as well. I guess if you want to look at the perspective of like time itself, like it's taking it's taking such a long time to get anywhere for like black people, you know? Just yeah. like I don't know. If we're talking about how gay marriage was just recently legalized mm-hmm. less than ten years ago. Yeah. You know. Yeah. To have like a black trans designer on New York Fashion Week's runway. I mean, that's kind of incredible. It's true. It's beautiful to see. I mean, just in light when we're recording this, it's only been a few days since the Supreme Court ruled that it is unconstitutional to fire people in relation to their sexuality. Which is, you know, it's another breakthrough, but it's also, yeah. it's slow progress, but it's good progress. So very slow. It's just often white designers utilize their ideas and capitalize off of them and then perpetuate the industry that looks just like white people. Yeah. It's like being in the classroom and you say the answer and then nobody's listening and then somebody else says the same exact thing that you just said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then just going off of that too, FIT a few years ago had a show that had 300 years of fashion featuring like LGBTQ plus and black designers like garments. And it went from the early 1800s into like the era of like the 90s and like the AIDS crisis. And then there were a few from like a few modern day pieces that were really interesting, but um, I don't no, I would really love to just be able to see designers of that time and be able to understand their process and creation, you know, like the creative processes. I mean, it's like nowadays museums will dedicate entire shows to these pieces and be able, you'll be able to look at the construction of the garments and the interpretation of them and just the stylistic choices. But yeah, it kind of reminds me of like the, the Met exhibition about camp for uh, the Met Gala. Oh, you know, yeah. Like how they're talking about camp, which is a black queer concept. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's like only one thing in the entire exhibition that highlighted a black queer person. Yeah, just walking through that. It was like a battle to get through so many people yeah. to even look. And then, I mean, like 95% I know, of like, it was white. Yeah, it was like all white. And like that one piece I'm talking about is like, 
the Madonna Vogue video, which had uh, Willy Ninja. And that's really cool. But like, also, there's nothing else. There's yeah. just nothing else. I'm sure they're focused on the big, big fashion houses and designers that utilize camp. The Met having a show specifically featuring all of these white artists perpetuates a non-inclusive trend. Yeah. yeah. Not enough due diligence. That's it. It's just like black people will never get the credit they deserve. True. There's just an entire lack of diversity in the entire fa fashion industry. And then it goes into the all extended jobs from it. The makeup, the models, the photographers, all of it contributes to a lack of diversity. Now in 2020, there is slight progress in things such as Nocesso, where they have diverse and inclusive models on the runway. There's still so much room to grow. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, like when I think about that, I, it's weird because I can only name like one of each position, you know, and a uh, makeup artist, you can only name like, one of them. You don't know like a whole spectrum of black makeup artists, but you probably know like, several like white photographers or several like, white designers, of course. Yeah. But I mean, they're in there and they're just not getting the credit they deserve. Definitely. It's like Tyler Mitchell shooting Beyonce mm -hmm. for Vogue. Yeah. It's ridiculous. How is he like the first photographer on there? Mm -hmm. Now everyone just focuses on Instagram and all the like makeup artists like James Giles and all of that, you know, like yeah. it's just this new wave of continuation. It's a start and a stop. One step forward, two steps back sort of deal. Yeah, most definitely. And a lot of like young queer NPSCs too, they're making a breakthrough and they're trying, but there's also the pressure and like they're deterred from the industry because for literally everyone, like a lot of the time, the arts, so, like fashion, like anything like that is just seen as not a viable career path. It's like you tell someone you're going to get an art degree and they're like, what are you going to do? Are you going to be able to eat? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, art, the art world as a whole is just like really hard to get into the very entry is very high it's non-inclusive it's really white like to be a, an artist you need something behind you and a lot of black people just don't have those trust funds you know or parents that will like <laughs> back them like so expensive like, yeah fashion itself is such an expensive thing to get into yeah. it's like race car driving <laughs> That's such a dumb analogy, but like race car driving, to get into it, you have to start off young and then you have to have a lot of money because it's just such an expensive sport, you know? Yeah, definitely. It so. makes me think of, so Patagonia does like the 20 minute like documentaries and things, but okay. it's this black woman in the Northwest who is a mountain biker, actually. That's sick. Which is a really <laughs> sick sport. But she was talking about it. She's like, you don't see people like me doing this because I mean, you have to get the really expensive bike. You want an expensive gear. You know, you want to have visible like nice quality clothing so cars don't hit you yeah or don't think you're homeless or something yeah like you're not gonna be like profiled or something yeah. like it seems you're either a brand doing it on your own and creating these things or you somehow expedite the process and it ends up going into the fast fashion world which is just a whole nother problematic thing mm -hmm. 2014 the new york fashion week shows like there were 260 and there were th only three african-american designers that statistic found like also so that you could elevate it between six and eight but that was if you include like afro-cuban designers that's bizarre i don't even know what to say to that even though there are like other fashion weeks new york is so diverse and you wouldn't expect that but i mean it's fashion it, it, it is what it is and that is how it is yeah and it just reminds me of like anna winter's like most recent comment from vote it's like 
it's just weird like how she's been there for so long yet was willing to give such a lazy comment about it all she's been there for like 35 years she's worked there for so long and if she really wanted to give people the opportunity she definitely had the power to i mean she is the creative director of Condé nast which owns like vogue art digest and gq and all those all All those entities 11 different magazines like yeah ridiculous She, she has the opportunity to do that and use her platform for it but she just hasn't instead of making reparations now she instead just makes like a very simple like i think instagram comment or something like it's just like putting it out to reporters isn't gonna do anything unless you were making those physical changes like recognizing maybe i should give up my seat and we should hire a poc person yeah to take over as chief and editor you know and she's not gonna do that but things like that and then other large parts of fashion and like white designers continue to capitalize amongst like black designers claiming their ideas into trends and like urban and streetwear like yeah recently like Comme de Garçon put on a show like almost the, all their models were like, white and they all had on cornrows which is weird I think it came out like this year are we surprised no you know they had to go through so many approvals so many sign-offs like so many things like that for a huge budget and we still got uh, it's just all so ignorant Like, people need to understand that there are boundaries and that there's so many places that you can look back and, like, see that this was inappropriate or that this was used to build supremacy. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of pathetic. (laughs) Yeah. On a brighter note, as we reach the end here, at least, like, there are people like Pierre David who are creating these really positive breakthroughs that are really going to open up the industry a lot more. I've been watching the new season of Pose on Netflix. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So good. But there's one of the characters in the house, Angel, and she's a transgender woman. And essentially... Her mother, Blanca, has been pushing her to get into the model industry. And they go through all these steps and she gets a wet and wild cover and her face is essentially in like a lot of the Dwayne Reeds in New York City. Like, yeah. So there's this moment where they're all standing in like a New York Dwayne Reed and they're all looking and she like yells at the guy. She's like, hey, like that's my face. Just so positive. But even though it's like a show, it's, it's so important, you know, to see icons and role models and just people like that representation on the runway. You know, as a kid, you look up to people as your heroes, but what do you do if you don't have a hero that looks like you but there should be the opportunity to see that growth and see that success and know that you can attain that too yeah i just hope there's some little designer out there looking at me and even like yes <laughs> you know i mean with that though it's just there is going to be a constant need to provide for those people everybody needs an equal opportunity yeah defund the police and redistribute the funds <laughs> <laughs> All the black creatives, models, photographers, designers walked so Pierre Davis could run and Pierre Davis ran so all the future designers could fly. uh, (laughs) fly, Take off. (laughs) So thank you for listening. If you have and made it through, all the links for any of the factual information we gave and the articles read will be attached below. And we hope that you'll stick around for the next episode of Unknown Garments. Yeah, we got some great stuff coming.